This is Christine Brown, and while I have to listen to this podcast as my motherly duty, you have the choice not to. My sons sometimes say some naughty things when they're trying to be funny, but really, they're just being stupid. You still want to listen? Go right ahead. I am not your mother. All right, welcome back to the Patriots Dynasty podcast, the only podcast, I hope, uh, where we rewatch every game of the Dynasty era, Patriots. Uh, with me today are none of my brothers, which should not surprise anybody. Uh, no intern Tim either. He is out as well. Uh, but I have found a guest this week. Um, and believe it or not, I have convinced a Bills fan to join us. And we are going to go over the 2005 Week 8 matchup in Gillette Stadium. Uh, Sunday Night Football on ESPN, baby. Uh, so with me is, uh, you'll find him on Twitter, Bills VHS. Uh, and I'm assuming that's what you want to go by because you don't yeah. want people to know who you actually are in real life coming on here. I prefer that, actually. I mean, my name is Bill. So oh, Perfect. I kind of hide what my real name is within my, my fake uh, Twitter handle, which is so, a lot of fun. Uh, are your parents Bills fans? Of course. Yeah. Well, my oh. dad is. My, my mom couldn't care less about football, Fair but enough. my dad's a Bills fan. So uh, were you named William because of that? No, I was named William because my grandfather was named <laughs> <laughs> worth a shot. The existence of the team. So, you know, <laughs> if enough. anything, they named the team after, after me because, you know, I live in Buffalo. And I, my name is Bill, so technically it's named after me, I, I would say. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah, I have, I have as much claim to the name Buffalo Bill as anyone else. <laughs> yeah, no, I I think that... Uh, I'll, I'll give it to you. That's what we're going to say. I'll, I'll give you anything <laughs> I, for coming on this podcast. I didn't, I didn't need to give it to me. I already have it. Don't worry. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. I don't need the affirmation of a Patriots fan. Me? <laughs> uh, yes, well, speaking of which... Um, we were talking just before this, and you said that um, this game specifically is something you call a name game, which we actually have a similar uh, rating scale of like whether or not these are watchable, um, because there are some that aren't. Uh, you know, the, the Week 16 yeah. Pats-Jets games where the Jets have already been eliminated from the playoffs by six weeks, you know, and the Patriots go, and both teams going through the motions, not worth watching. Or sure. the 9-6 game against the browns in 2002 what the fuck it was like i will straight up tell you not worth watching um but we also have like uh, brother greg came up with a, a, a system of ranking these games of um i think there there's different levels but the, the top level was uh name games games you remember like the snowball right sure. uh, everybody like maybe even not in new england knows what the snowball is um, they know that yeah like, or 28 I, to 3 the Bills have the comeback. They have things yep. like that. Yeah. So yeah, name games. And this happens to be a name game amongst Bills Mafia fans there. It's called the Teddy Brewski game. Yes. So so we've been kind of uh, building up to this on the podcast that uh, Teddy Brewski will return. Uh, because in the offseason, for those that don't remember or live in Iraq or don't follow Teddy Brewski, uh, he had, it was like... 30, it was like three days after he got home from the Pro Bowl. Um, the story was he was uh, at home asleep in his bed, uh, dreaming that Steelers running back Jerome Bettis was barreling towards him. Uh, and so he was bracing. Yeah, this, this is legit. This is like so Teddy Bruschi as well. 
Um, but apparently brazing for the collision, Bruce, he suddenly woke up and his fists were clenched, arms extended, muscles contracted, you know, feeling pins and needles in his arms and his uh, left arm and leg, like down the left side of his body, 4 a.m. And he's having a heart attack. He didn't realize that he just thought he was waking up from a dream of being tackled by Jerome Bettis, which um, for me, that would feel the same. Yeah, exactly. It'd be exactly the same thing. (laughs) Um, So he just tried to get up. Uh, and go to the bathroom and just like fell over because he couldn't use the left side of his body. Um, turned out he had a heart attack because he had a hole in his heart, um, which was real rough. Uh, I remember the like news coverage, not even sports news coverage, just the news coverage of like mm-hmm. watching his wife help him out of the hospital, like walk out of the hospital. Um and so, yeah, he actually had a, a mild stroke, not even a heart attack, but like an actual stroke. Um, so he got super lucky. Um, and then all this, you know, everybody's, this was um, right at the end of the season, during the offseason. This was a very tumultuous offseason generally. Um, but this was like the biggest thing. Um, and behind the scenes, what was actually happening was all the doctors basically said, if you feel better, there's no reason you can't play football again because like football is not going to make this happen. It was a blood clot that, you know, right. and we've plugged the hole in your heart, which apparently that, you can do. Yep. Which, they talked about it at length on the, on the broadcast. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. This, this wasn't as much of um, a football game as it was the Teddy Bruschi show, really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what, how it's remembered in Buffalo. There's no doubt about it. That, that I can understand. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but basically what happened is uh, during the off season, like Belichick was looking to like sign some replacement uh, linebackers because, you know, of course it's trying to replace Teddy Bruschi. Sure. Um, and Bruschi met with him and basically said, um, don't put me on IR, put me on the pup list. And Belichick was like, why the fuck would I do that? You have a hole in your heart. Um, and he's like, yeah, Brucey's kind of like wavering back and forth. And then Belichick basically comes out and he says, uh, there's still no way of you playing this year at all, right? And Brucey just like paused. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then eventually says, I'm, I'm going to play this year. Um, so, and, and Belichick like straight up asks him, like, are you telling me that going out there and picking up another linebacker this year would be the wrong move? And uh, Brucey's like, yeah, that, that would be the wrong move. So, um, so the Patriots kind of knew about that going in. Um, and there's all sorts of like stuff kind of swirling. I think the week before this game, um, actually two weeks before, because the week before this was their bye week. Right. So it was kind of the perfect time to, to get him back in. Um, and I think everybody thought they were just going to ease him back in, you know, maybe have some packages with him. Uh, that didn't happen. He, he played all four downs. <laughs> and special teams. Yeah. Like he's he making played. tackles on kickoffs in the fourth <laughs> quarter. He is uh, just the the fact that he was uh, like had the the aerobic ability to be able to just play a full football game, having not done any football whatsoever for however many months like that. He stepped on the field. That was his first one. And yeah, he played the entire game. The entire unbelievable. And the Bills had about two-thirds of the time of possession in that game, too. So he oh, played yeah. probably 40 minutes of a football game. It was absolutely absurd. Yeah, I think at the like towards the end, they, they showed a stat where the Bills had like 33 minutes of possession. 
and the patient had like 12 or 15 or something, whatever it was. Yeah. And Bruce was on the field for that entire time. He was on the field all three downs and playing a fourth down too. It was absurd. <laughs> yeah, bananas. Um, but if, if you didn't notice that, you don't worry. You can watch this game and they will tell you about it ad nauseum. Uh, <laughs> from the opening package to the closing camera shot the, yeah. it, it opens with a teddy brewski package and it closes with Susie culver trying to chase him down to get an interview <laughs> like it's absolutely fantastic no my favorite was when tom brady threw a touchdown and then they cut to brewski on the, on the sideline and what his reaction was uh, <laughs> he didn't have one <laughs> My personal favorite was when Brady got strip sacked by uh, Aaron Schobel, and the entire time they don't even acknowledge the sack or the fumble. Yeah. They're just going with like this sort of pre-recorded. This yeah. is what happened with Teddy. <laughs> they did that twice too because they did that um, on the Patriots strip sack too, and they they were playing this thing about uh, Robert Kraft talking about you know how they didn't sign a uh, mm-hmm. uh, a waiver to let him play. Like, yeah, we we don't let lawyers run our lives or something. Nine out of 10, nine out of the doctors told me the same. Yeah, it was the entire game was focused on it, which apparently rubbed the citizens of Buffalo, New York, absolutely the wrong way. I can't imagine why that, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. (laughs) The, The thing about Bill's fans is they feel as if they're the most disrespected group of people of all time. And if you give them any sort of fodder like this, like a game where they mention an opposing player a thousand times. Oh, God, yeah. Which they did. Bill's fans took it personally. As if, what, what are we, just a prop? What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> just, they get offended by it. And they're, they're very sensitive people. It's something that I've found in my uh, in my few years of doing this uh, Twitter thing. It's I think very- that's... Yeah, I, I I find that with Patriots fans, um, any game they lose is because of the referees or uh, the league has it in for them or whatever. Whatever. I mean, there's still people talking about um, the Eagles Super Bowl that they lost about how they had changed what the rule of what the catch was or something like that. Which you know, uh, I love a conspiracy theory as much as anybody. I'm a homer like to my to my grave. But even that was tough for me. But th- this game has de- had. It was. It came at the absolute worst time. This was game first place in the division. The yep. winner of this game would have taken over sole possession of first place in the AFC East with about half the season to go. Yep. It would put everyone in a good position. Whoever whoever won it ended up winning the division. Guess what? It was. <laughs> well, yes. Um, I don't want to overstate that because uh, the Patriots coming into this were three and three. And in first place in the division, the Bills coming in this were three and four, and in second place in the division because the division division kind of sucked right in two thousand five. Um, it's not what it it's not the like wagon that it is now, you know. Um, but yeah, I think the the Bills were undefeated in divisional games. They they've beaten both the Dolphins and the Jets coming in. Yep. Um, they kind of had, I, I mean, I kind of want to hear it from you more than like me. I did a little like deep dive of this, but they seem like they had an up and down season this one, they, at least the first had, half. Well, the first half of the season was marked by the start of JP Lossman. It, mm. it was JP's year. We had Drew Bledsoe for the past three seasons. Right. They figured Drew wasn't the guy anymore who we ended up started. He ended up starting in Dallas that season. And we ended up going yep. with JP Lossman and JP Lossman for whatever reason, some I'll blame the offensive line because that offensive line was just the 
absolutely terrible, as you see in the game, too. But he just didn't have enough time, and he didn't have sort of that presence where he could sort of focus. And they bring it up in the game where Holcomb was a backup for uh, Peyton Manning. He said when he was backing up Peyton Manning, Manning attacked the game, but he knew he was going to fail. He knew Mm -hmm. that he wasn't quite ready. He was fresh. This was only J.P. Lawson's second season, so Mm -hmm. thinking of of Manning in the second season, he was still throwing just as many picks as he was throwing touchdowns. Oh but yeah, he, but he he had the mindset where I'm getting going to get better. It's not going to. Get I'm going to learn from it exactly. Yeah. Where whereas JP did not have that. He said I was great at Tulane. I'm going to be just as great in the NFL because you know they're exactly the same. Oh for sure. That's always how that works. And he got benched. And he got benched. So <laughs> you you spend you trade up the year before to spend a first round pick on a quarterback, you have him sit the entire season, have him start only to bench him. I think it was five games into the season, which is just absolutely absurd. Yeah. They, they, they did that with him and they completely crushed his confidence. And he was, and the next week, Gally Holcomb gets hurt and JP lost <laughs> starts the rest of the year. Yeah. Because uh, I was actually going to look that up because during the game, um, cause the Bills were leading late into the third, actually uh, early fourth quarter. The Bills were leading this game um, yeah. by two scores. Uh, and the commentators were talking about how this was a statement game for the Bills. And this would set them up for um, the rest of the season mm-hmm. uh, and how, you know, like they can build off of this and, you know, they're going to be energized. Uh, they had a bye week after this and then they won two games two, three, four, five, lost six of them. So it didn't quite work out that way. It did not quite. This game set the tone for the season, and it was playing great defense and just losing the lead late for stupid things, taking dumb penalties, and that's how they gave away this game. Although this game, again, with the conspiracy theory, did not – I don't know how familiar with are and if you want to go in chronological order or not, but on the Bills' last drive, Eric Mould gets an OPI for just, just a little like forearm. It was it was not an extended hand or anything like that. No. It was just a, a little shove, which happens on every single play of every single game on like yeah. the fourth and six or something like that. And it would have been a first down, but instead they get they push him back ten yards yeah. and and then the following on, on the fourth down, Kelly Holcomb throws a one yard out out of fourth. Yeah. A dump off. He dumps which, it off. He checks it down, which just is just the most frustrating thing because he dumps it off to Eric Mould, hmm. who is the second greatest wide receiver in Buffalo Bills history, who you're having one, run a one yard out out of fourth and six. It just makes <laughs> absolutely no sense. But that's Stop. how that team was. And that's how a lot of the drought was. A lot of the drought was that. It was just incompetent. Hmm. You look around and just scratching your head at some of the decisions that were made and then blaming the referee. Or <laughs> yeah. Find, finding somebody to blame. Yeah, uh, Brady. So, so my, my thing, uh, my brand, I guess on this podcast is I uh, often have uh, more than often. Uh, I almost always have at least some issue with the referees and the commentators. Okay. Um, so we'll get into that. We'll get into all of that later, but I agree with you. That offensive pass interference. Um, I also have uh uh, a soft spot, I guess, for for offensive pass interference or uh, something mm-hmm. like that, because of how often 
Rob Gronkowski would get it called on him uh, for just basically being bigger than who was trying to cover him. You're a human being, yeah. It's not yeah, his problem. Just he's uncoverable, and so they just have to throw the flag every once in a while. Sure. Uh, yeah, but it was it was very soft, and it was because Asante Samuel weighs about uh, as much as my eighteen month old, um, <laughs> and falls over at the uh, slightest breeze. Uh, but I want to touch on Eric Mould because you said he was the second greatest. Uh, yeah, I think so. And it, he he's second in every statistical category to Andre Reid on the Buffalo mm, Bills. So that makes sense. Just statistically alone, he's probably the second best wide receiver. He might be the best. He might be the most talented, but he never had consistent quarterback play. He started well, with that's yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Uh, they they showed the list because they actually brought him up in this game about how he was. Uh, oh, what was the word that they used? I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> losing or uh, losing patience or something like that. Sure, he probably was because he started with Jim Kelly and then yep. he went through the entire mess with uh, Flutie and, and Johnson, having to go through that. And then he finally had a connection with uh, with Drew Bledsoe. The two of mm-hmm. them made a great pair. Those yeah, yeah. Fake. And then he just... went and kept going. They got J.P. Lawson and then Kelly Hoke, and then eventually it was Trent Edwards. And then he <laughs> just ended up getting – he ended up signing his last year in Houston for some reason, where everyone goes to die. Like I just feel the yeah, right. are just, where every just washed up last, you know, ditch effort for every guy you used to love. Like I should just do that. I could probably get a whole, you know, Texans jerseys <laughs> just of all of my favorite players that used to play for the Bills. Uh, they like the AFC version of the old Redskins, I think. Yes, yes, yeah. they are. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot that's of fun. Right. Yeah, I mean Vince, Vince Wolfork, that's where he ended his <laughs> career was on the Texans. Yeah. Love that guy. Uh, but yeah, my funniest part of, uh, about your whole rant there is you actually missed two quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> you missed Todd Collins and Alex Van Pelt. Todd Collins, Alex Van Pelt, and <laughs> Joe Hobart. I, I ju- jumped over the Billy Joe Hobart, who I don't know if you know the story. He was actually backing up Todd Collins oh. that year after Kelly left. He was the backup, but he famously didn't read his playbook. He just never opened it. He was he was the backup quarterback. He just didn't know the plays. So in one That's a game, bold move. Yeah, Collins gets injured, and they go, all right, Billy, grab your helmet. And you're like, okay, and they're calling the plays. <laughs> he's just calling whatever play he wants back there because he has no <laughs> idea what's going on. He's, he's going to call the, the scout team plays he ran or whatever. Oh, my God. What's going on? And he got cut the next week because he no. admitted you know, he admitted it to the press after the game. He's like, yeah, I, I guess I wasn't familiar enough with the playbook. And it was like week six by this time, like, what are you talking oh, about? So like they cut him, and that's where the uh, the Alex Van Pelt era started. Wow. Yeah, Alex Van Pelt is, a, is sort of a cult hero around here. Really? He was, okay. He was a, he was a third quarterback for Kelly, and he mm. sort of existed through and it was on those teams with Flutie and and Johnson. So everyone mm-hmm. would just sort of say, "Let's put Van Pelt in there," and everyone would laugh. You <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. Those <laughs> things, and he got a little following around here. Yeah. He was a quarterback coach for a little bit. Right. Yeah, yeah. I remember doing a game about him. Uh, he had some interesting nicknames. I thought uh, Alex Van Pelt. Oh boy, uh, he was oh boy. It was his his main nickname because he looked like Pop and Fresh because he was kind of a chubby guy. He he's a big like, dude. Yeah. Uh, no, they they called him Pill for some reason. Pill. Oh, yeah. I to look that up. Why would they would call him? Pill? I can't remember why. I feel like we looked it up and it was like some ridiculous reason. Um, but yeah, Alex Van Pelt is what we called him. Uh, 
he was a he was he was kind of one of those like tough quarterbacks, you know. He had no problem standing in it. Felt like oh, he could stay well, and you, that was probably one of the problems because <laughs> no line. Maybe that's they, why he got the nickname Pill. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> My cat's jumping in. <laughs> nice. Uh, let's see. Alex Van Pelt. Alex Van Pelt. I went to Google, why is he pill? And I got uh, firewall or <laughs> uh, blocked by uh, a firewall <laughs> so, for the Buffalo News. Oops. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right, so let's see what um I kind of jumped around a bit to start, but that's fine. That's how I like to do it because of my ADHD. Uh let's see. Um what is going oh yeah, we talked about Teddy Bruce. That's great. Um just uh some interesting notes on him, just because you know it is the Teddy Bruski game. It is um this was eight months uh, pro- uh after having that mm-hmm. stroke, which eight months after I think if I had a stroke, I might be walking. Yeah, yeah, so, I don't think so. Absolutely bananas. Um, but he was actually the third round pick in the 1996 draft, which Pages fans will remember as the Parcells Grocery Draft, um, where uh, Kraft, uh, quote unquote, forced him to draft Terry Glenn in the first round. But he, if he's going to cook the meal, he's going to want to have to buy his groceries. Yeah, I've exactly. Heard him say that maybe like a thousand and one times. Or mm-hmm. like that. Yep. So that was kind of the beginning of the end. Um, even though Terry Glenn, Andrew Bledsoe led them to the Super Bowl in '97. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, second round pick Laurie Malloy, not too bad. Third round pick Teddy Bruschi, fucking nailed that. <laughs> I, I will give uh, Parcells. I have a love hate relationship with, but I will give it. He can draft a defensive player in the top three rounds. Like it's <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. Um. But speaking of which, uh, they actually showed a clip of Brewski hugging Lawyer Malloy in the pregame, which I thought was pretty cool because Malloy is now on the Bills at this point. Lawyer is on the Bills at this point. He came the year before, I believe. Uh, 2003, because his first game was that uh, demolition in Buffalo. The 31 nothing, which was returned in week 17, I believe. That's exactly right, yeah. I think the Patriots actually sent in there because it was 31 nothing late in the game and uh, the Bills were driving. And so the Patriots sent all their um, first string defensive players back in to do the goal line stand to make sure it was 31 nothing, which is very Belichick of this team. Of course. Um, But this 2005 team is very on Belichick, it feels like. Um, Just like this, uh, we we talked about this before, like, I don't remember watching this game. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't. I didn't remember this game at all uh, coming into this before watching it. Um, but after watching it, I, I I remember why because this was one of the ugliest games, and there were two different times where I I had to go back and check Pro Football Reference to make sure the Patriots actually did win this game. <laughs> it didn't look like they were going to. They, the they had no reason. The Bills were in control from the start of the game. The only thing that was going on is the fact that Kelly Holcomb was the quarterback for the Bills and he couldn't throw the ball. He was throwing it, he was skipping the ball to receivers at one point. Yeah. It, was, it was pretty bad. And yet he was still outplaying Tom Brady up, up until halfway through the fourth quarter. Nate Clements had a really good game, first, probably mm-hmm. first half, I'd say. He got beat on the touchdown deep, but he was, they, the corners were locking him down. Mm-hmm. Terrence and, uh, 
let's see, it was yeah, Terrence McGee and Nate Clemens would be the two starting corners. Mm-hmm. It's one of the better defenses the Bills put together during that mm-hmm. drought, especially with having Aaron Schobel, who is just, I, I think he's Tom Brady's number one nemesis. He probably has more sacks on Brady than, than anybody, actually. He does. We, we've been through that. Yeah, he has the okay. most sacks of Tom Brady of any yeah. other player. He was, and he, he had another one. He had a, he had a strip sack this game, too. I mean, yeah. he was amazing. I think he had two sacks, and one of them was a strip sack. And or like a sack and a half or something. Found a way to lose the game. They <laughs> just gave it away. They absolutely gave it away. There's yeah, because no yeah, I'll, I'll just give like a quick rundown of like how it played out. Um, but basically, the Bills started uh, their first three offensive drives were all eleven play drives, um, but ended punt, miss field goal, field goal. What the punt from a thirty-five yard from the thirty-five yard line? They punted right. from the opposition's thirty-five yard line, which is just absolutely insane. Yeah. They, they would never you would get you would absolutely get fired that Monday if you did that in an NFL game today. Any yeah, today, but it's so prevalent. I mean, the Patriots did it too in this yeah. game, and this is like Belichick the genius that you'd expect to see him not doing that. Um, and I think I feel like he was one of the first coaches to actually stop doing it. Where they had that kind of like it wasn't the red zone, but it was like I care. They had they used to have a clever Yellow name for it, whatever, it something yeah. like that. You're like maroon zoners, whatever. Um, where they just go for it on fourth down because you know fuck it. If if we punt it, it's going to take them two plays to get back here anyway. If we miss a field goal, same thing. Yeah, you're gaining all of at at best best case scenario, you're gaining thirty yards. It's Tops, ridiculous. yeah. Tops. <laughs> um, but I will say I did like uh, when the Patriots did it. Um, the gunner Ellis Hobbs actually caught the ball, uh, not even on a bounce. He just fielded the punt, no yeah. bounce, which is pretty. I love that when that happens. The uh, Matthew Slater in the the Super Bowl against the Rams, the second one, uh, that whole season he was known for doing that, being able to mm-hmm. to catch the ball catch on down. the five yard line before it hit the ground, which is just always nice. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's just like one of those like punter gunner things. I don't know if they work on it or something, but it it only works with like certain combos of guys. We had a guy named Steve Tasker around here. He used to do that. I recognize that name. Yeah, yeah. He's he's okay. He's okay. Famer. So is Slater? Can we? I'm just taking a side. Is Slater going to get make the Hall of Fame or no? Because Tasker's never going to get into the Hall of Fame. Slater's not either. You don't think so? No. uh, I think either both do or neither of them do. Just because they're they're just special teamers. Matt, uh, Matthew Slater has one official catch, and he is listed as a wide receiver. Sure, it was like thirty five yards. So he has like the best. That's a good range. Exactly, yeah, yards per catch. But that's it. Um, so yeah, if he, yeah, I, I don't think core special teamers make it. They they don't, and I I've never understood why because what the. They're still lining up. It's yeah. it's a position. It's I think position. because you can't back up what they contributed with stats, which is unfortunate because yeah. that, that's easy where the world is headed. Where if you can't prove it with some sort of statistic, yeah. that's not really true. Right. I, I, you, can make, you can make up any statistic you want to prove anything you want. For so. sure. So maybe that's what we should do. We should do a combined, um, like we'll we'll make up some advanced stats. Because that seems to be all the rage now. Um, some analytics uh, where uh, Steve Tasker and uh, Matthew Slater, the um, points per drive that they shaved off of their team's defense. Like, there's got to be some way to package that. I mean, it'd be tough because 
if you go back too far, you don't have any stats. Like they didn't keep things, but they don't even, they don't even keep the play by play or anything like that. That's true. Yeah, it only goes back to like nineties, I think 94, I think is far. Somewhere in the nineties, you get starting getting play by plays where you actually have the game log, yeah, but yeah. you really don't have that. So that's it's, true. it might be tough, but I think you could get something together with some sort of advanced stat. I know I was doing some sort of Kaggle competition where it was, try to get some advanced stat for punters or things like that. Yeah. yeah. We can figure something out for, uh, for, for gunners. For this gunners gotta too. There's gotta be something. Yeah. All right. Well, that's hmm. something to think about. Yeah, we'll put that together. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Have your listeners put that in the comments, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. All, all one of them. Mom, if you're listening, <laughs> get on it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I just want to, um, I, it got sidetracked again as I tend to do, but um, yeah, the, the first quarter of this game was Buffalo had uh, two drives, both 11 plays each for 45 yards ish. New England had two first quarter drives of a combined seven plays for 42 yards uh, with a punt and a fumble. And the fumble was, so I know we've talked about this in the past, but like it, it, for this season, but this team is, I don't even think decimated is a strong enough word for how many injuries there are. Uh, I actually started, I, I, I was like keeping a section of like who was injured each week. Sure. It just got so big that I just kind of stopped. And uh, that fumble in the first quarter, that was just such a freak injury with, with the uh, turnover there too. It just sort yeah. of pulls up and grabs his leg and that's it. Yeah. So that was Patrick Pass who was only in the game because uh, Corey Dillon, who ran for like 1400 yards the year before, um, he's hurt. So, uh, Patrick Pass was the backup, um, and like technically fullback, according to my brother, but whatever. Um, and then they also signed Amos Zeroway, famous Amos, uh, <laughs> because Kevin Falk was hurt. Um, and so Amos was supposed to be the third down back. Um, but then Patrick Pass was actually running really well. He actually, the game before this, uh, had career highs in rushing yards and receiving yards uh, and helping them win. Um, and looked like, you know, hey, this might be the, the next guy to take the mantle from Corey Dillon. Uh, he, he wasn't. <laughs> uh, because he was running actually quite well in this game, um, barring some many, many penalties uh, from the offensive line and holding and whatnot. Um, but then on a play, I think it was early in the second quarter, he's running to the left and, uh, pulls up with a hamstring, but instead of just like falling down, he drops the ball and grabs his hamstring and kind of like keeps hopping away. He forgets the football game's going on. Yeah. yeah. Even the, even the commentators, like I've never seen that in my life. Completely forgets the, 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 forgets the game's going. He sort of sort of calls a timeout in his own head, like, "Okay, yeah. guys, I'm injured." Yeah, yeah. Hang on, hang on, guys, hang on. Guys. I pulled something, yeah. and the, the game continues around him, of course. Yeah, and so the Bills recover and I believe go kick a field goal or something. I think it's it bad. just so so bad. Um, and, he, and the page is doing very like unpatriot like things. Like the second second quarter. Uh, the only thing that happened was the Bills finally put another 11-play drive together, but they kicked a field goal. Um, they just took some unpatriot penalties in this game, too. Yeah, like they, right at the end of the half, you expect them to drive down and kick a field goal, which is what they did. They drove down, kick a field goal. But on the field goal attempt, they had to delay a game. 
because they didn't get it off in time, which I don't think I've ever seen happen before or after this. Um, and so they push him back five yards, and of course, Vinatieri misses the field goal. Uh, so, like, yeah, the, the, on both sides, I think, uh, just the Bills completely dominating the the flow of play and putting up three whole points, and the Patriots just doing absolutely nothing and being held scoreless in the first half. Yeah, for the first time in thirty-seven wow. games. They could not stop Willis McGahee. Willis McGahee kept picking up first downs. This is mm-hmm. probably the game he had as a bill. He had, I'm looking at like 130 something yards, mm-hmm. probably 20 carries. He was just pounding the ball and getting it and moving it ahead, which is something he never did. They mm-hmm. they mentioned the telecast a bunch of times that he was criticized recently in Buffalo Papers because he was just dancing in the backfield. Yeah. Again, it's the line. They had a terrible line. No one wanted to say that because apparently all the writers were afraid of the biggest guys in the room or something like that. Because no one would tell them like your offensive line stinks. It's, it's like you have, tell Trey Teague to do something out there because he's letting everyone pass them. Your screen game's terrible and you can't run the ball. But other than that, you know it's a great offensive line. <laughs> now pick your quarterback. He's on the ground again. <laughs> oh, how'd that happen? This was uh, one of Will Spaghetti's best games. And Will Spaghetti is one of my least favorite Buffalo Bills of all time. And he is not very popular amongst Bills Mafia. On the I way can't out, imagine why. He trashed us on the way out when he went to Baltimore. Because after Buffalo, he went right to Baltimore. That's right. That's right. He immediately trashed the Bills. He said oh. he trashed the town. He said they have nothing but an Applebee's and a that's David right. Like it was, And of course, it's right. I mean, it's, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. It's fair, but still, like, no, what the fuck? We drafted you in the first round when you had a busted ACL. You know, show a little respect here. Exactly, right? yeah. Uh, also, uh, according to his Wikipedia, at the last count, uh, had him at 10 children by nine different women by the time he was 32 years old. Which, which is kind of funny because he replaced uh, Travis Henry, of course, yeah. who, who was 11 from 10. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't. What didn't one of them say? Uh, it was because the only thing to do in Buffalo is to have sex. Wasn't that one of them? One of them. I'm pretty sure that would have been Willis. Which it feels right. I mean, yeah, yeah. But also, I'm, like, does it mean you have to have ten kids with nine different women? Like, <laughs> well, there are ways to avoid that specific piece. Like, let's go. I want to circle back. Like, like I'm sorry. You saying that's a bad thing? Like, that's all there is to do. Oh, yeah. oh no. I go, no. What? Like, what? Uh, what would you prefer to be doing? Okay. You know what? Don't answer that. Don't answer that question because I don't want to answer that one. But yeah, he, he was a jerk. He didn't like it here. He drew Rosenhaus. This that's actually he would create a Drew Rosenhaus too. That mm. Drew Rosenhaus really wasn't a thing until Willis McGahey because he was Willis McGahey. He's the one who put him on the pedestal and he's mm. the one who got all that stupid airtime on, on the stupid draft. Because they have nothing else to talk about, yeah. <laughs> and that the stupid super agent Drew Rosenhaus got his sort of name out there because of Willis McGahey, yeah. And the world is a much worse place because of it. I, feel. <laughs> I, I would agree. Yes, I, I think so too. Um, I will say the one good thing that came out of Willis McGahey is uh, his successor, Marshawn Lynch, who did the skit about how much he loves Applebee's. With Kim Bain when he came yeah. to Buffalo, it was very much. And he's loved in Buffalo, even though he ran over a bunch of Canadians around here. 
that, that I, don't, I don't know if everyone knows the story. That's how Marshawn Lynch's time came to an end in Buffalo. He was driving around the nightlife scene and he ran over a couple a person. Really? Because it's, it's a border town and, and there's like, yeah. you know, Chippewas where everyone parties and he was driving on there and he ran over someone. And the Bills just, that was one distraction too many for the Bills. And that was it. They got rid of him. I think Marshawn Lynch might be one of my favorite human beings in the NFL. He's great. He had, he was such a tough runner too. Yeah. He was absolutely a fantastic running back. And of course, they, the Bills get rid of him. Because yeah, because they the Bills make Billsy decisions, and that's how Billsy they are. And they got rid of Marshawn Lynch. We're the team who got rid of Jason Peters too, and about the same time frame. So mm. yeah, we're we're good with that. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the reason uh, going back to the game too that I was um, <clears throat> kind of surprised at the Patriots winning this was like reading up on it there was a lot of like the bills haven't done these things for a very long time uh they hadn't held a team under 150 yard rushing yards very often this season they allowed an average of 159 rushing yards a game something like that yeah yeah as a lot uh they hadn't passed for 200 yards yet that season um in fact i think the commentators mentioned that it had been like 11 uh, straight games I, I I actually took a screenshot. It was eleven straight games without yep. a twenty a two hundred yard passer. Mm-hmm. Thirty seven straight games without a three hundred yard passer. Yeah, and two straight games without a completed pass of twenty or more yards. <laughs> That's drought football for you. So, let, well, let, let's just look at the stats here. Um, uh, the New England Patriots were held to ninety three rushing yards on twenty two carries. They rushed for one hundred and forty seven yards. Uh, I think 136 of that was Willis McGay himself. Mm-hmm. Um, they threw for 263 yards. They got over uh, that 200. Yeah, and I believe they had a they had a 55 yard touchdown pass. So that's they one 20 plus yard uh, completion right there. So checked off all the boxes of all the things. And yeah, Patriots always have a game like that every like almost every season in these dynasty eras. They'd have that one game where a team would come in that hasn't done anything. And would just stomp the shit out of them. Be like, whoa, what the fuck just well, happened? Someone to give them their best game. I mean, everyone yeah. knows who the Patriots are, and everyone wants to beat the Patriots. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Right. You got to measure yourself as a team. I mean, you assume most of these guys are still professionals when they get to the league, and they want to win. They want to win every game. And yeah, yeah, I think the I I think that there was. I don't know if there still is any more, but there definitely was that extra. I want to get up for the Patriots game. I, yeah. I, which is probably the most impressive thing about the Patriots era is that they were able to do that. Just take absorbing everyone's best shot. Right. But you did get everyone's best shot except for the Jets. Cause the Jets always suck. But you know, <laughs> there were like two years when the, what's his name was the coach and the, they had a good defense. I could, but, but I, Rex, I feel, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Rex, right. Exactly. Um, but yeah, everybody, you know, I think it's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason that, you know, you get everybody's best shot and I'm not exactly sure why the Patriots were able to weather that sort of thing. Uh, I think part of it is, uh, that you see in this game where Tom Brady just kind of, and we've seen it already this 2005 season, Tom Brady just kind of gets that 
you know what? Fuck it. We're winning this game. And just comes out and has like two straight that drives, was, like touchdown, touchdown, there. Done. That was the fourth quarter. He just lasered yeah. it in. Yeah. And that was it. It was over. It was yeah. two it was two to three really great throws that he made the entire game and mm-hmm. on two drives. And it was it. The game was over. Yeah. But it, and it all felt very familiar too, where um even if they don't win the games, they, they do almost the exact same thing where you're down two scores, you got the ball, and you got decent uh, field position. And so, because they're, I don't know why it started on the, on the 39. I think they had a good kick return um, from my boy, Bethel Johnson, who, absolute head case, was always in the doghouse, but when he wasn't, he was returning kicks to the 40 every fucking time. Absolute. That's all he, that's all he could do. He couldn't catch, you know? Um, <laughs> so that was a shame. But uh, great kick return, underrated kick returner. Um, set him up at their own 39 and then first play was taking a shot. Yeah. I knew it was coming and it worked. First play, gotta take a shot. It's like the Bills knew it was coming too, yet they couldn't do anything. And that that's the worst. And and during the entire drought, every Patriots game that they played, it they got to that point where all of a sudden Brady could do whatever he wanted and there was nothing you could do to stop it. And that's what mm-hmm. happened on that drive. Yeah. And I don't even think it was just the bills that suffered that to be honest <laughs> i think they suffered it the most uh because you're in the afc east with them but yeah I, they, there was always that point where brady's just like fuck this Let, let's let's just end this and like didn't matter what had happened in the rest of the game like the, the team just seems to have that such a short memory of yeah fuck it whatever um because that's exactly what happened they they hit that big play to branch and then a couple plays later uh, it was a Corey Dillon touchdown, like short mm-hmm. Corey Dillon touchdown. Um, and then during the Robert Kraft pre-taped interview, uh, what was it? how many plays? It was like second play from scrimmage on the ensuing drive, Bill's drive. Um, Holcomb gets strip sacked from behind, like just clean. Whoever that left tackle was had played a decent game up until this point. I believe that was Mike Williams, if I'm not mistaken, who was a fourth overall pick who Ooh. never panned out. He I just, remember that pick. <laughs> it just wasn't there. He just I think he was out of Texas. He was just this huge mm-hmm. guy. He just he didn't have the athletic ability. He he couldn't do it. He never mm-hmm. got his feet were great, his footwork right, and it was it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was out of the league in within three years, I think. Ooh, that's tough. And this is a great reason why, because uh, I think it was Roosevelt Colvin. Just came around and it was Rosen Coleman. Borderline untouched. Uh just kind of like swatted the hands away and just full steam ahead, just crushed poor old uh, Kelly Holcomb. Now we did pat on, on on the previous play, you you did mention the, the I actually have a note here. Or the, yeah. I, the note on that Dion Branch catch that you mentioned, mm. which which was challenged and was upheld as a completed catch when mm. the video evidence clearly shows it hitting the ground it clearly shows the ball moving and then you have mike patrick going uh yeah this is not a catch there's no way this is a catch Dyson, yeah it's not a catch it's not a catch yeah it's catch. ruling on the field is confirmed yeah i actually let, let's, let's get into this uh i want to talk about these referees because the, the and patrick's just starts backtracking like oh yeah yeah no i, I can see how they upheld yeah of course they upheld it yeah, the so, refereeing in this in this game was questionable at best, but it it was even. 
in that the the poor it sucked for both teams were distributed easily. So it's not like you can say you can claim as Bills fans will that right. the game was fixed for one team and clearly all the the most important calls went the Patriots' way as right. as we talked about earlier, which is one thing that I can't stand. It's my least mm-hmm. favorite thing about Bills fandom is just it's just the whining. It's just so much whining. And I, I, it's one thing I, I'm not there for. That's not that's not something that I enjoy is the whining. So the bills are good now. So you may want to uh, prepare yourself because you will hear it from other fan bases every time oh, they lose right. to your team. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. So we can't enjoy a win either because you know the mm-hmm. NFL. The NFL's rigged. It's rigged. Sure if you know this right now, but the NFL is always <laughs> rigged. Yeah. And, and they've always favored the Buffalo Bills. I don't know if you know this. Because the easiest thing to do is to get a hundred guys to keep a secret. Right. Because there's yeah, because a hundred, two hundred, <laughs> three hundred well, hundred guys per game. So what was that in in, mm. in the league there's sixteen games going on? So let's just call it even three thousand for numbers' sake. Yeah. Three thousand guys involved in the league, they're gonna keep a secret. For they're sure. They're gonna be able to keep that pro wrestling secret that you know. That it's just this is all fake. Yeah. <laughs> the secret that, that 10 guys couldn't keep for pro wrestling back in 1950. But, you know, <laughs> the, the thousands of guys who played, you know, right. football, they're going to be able to keep that. The football games are rigged. Exactly. And every time a scandal comes out, it's always be- between like three people and one of them blabbed to somebody. But yeah. No, th- this, this one, this one specifically, th- this is the one where everybody managed to keep their mouth shut for sure. <laughs> This is it. Yeah, just the largest entertain the largest football or sports league in America. Yeah, yeah that managed to keep that one quiet. Yeah. So, this game, of course, is one of the rigged games because of that Dion Blanche <laughs> ball and because exactly. of the yeah, mentioned uh, the pass interference on yeah. uh, <laughs> at the end of the game. Yes, but also uh, this was. Uh, my favorite and also least favorite call of the entire thing, and it was early. This was like first quarter, uh, but this was the call. Delay the game. Defense performing an unnatural act. What Not coming into the there? game in an attempt to get the offense to false start. <laughs> Five-yard penalty that results in a first down. The laughter you heard was the commentators giggling to themselves because they've never heard of anything so ridiculous. Yeah, that was Bill's legend, Paul McGuire, laughing his butt off. Because it's the stupidest thing you'd ever heard. Yeah. That the possibility. It, yeah, it's so ridiculous. Oh. Uh, yeah, the possibility that <laughs> that Teddy Bruce could sort of run towards the line of scrimmage to try to to draw an offside. I know that, which is perfectly legal, I believe. Yeah. They, what, I don't Junior Seo about. made an absolute career out of it. Yeah. Bruce Smith as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. What are we talking about here? It just reminds you of that whole like uh, uh, giving him the business call. Giving him the business of the day. <laughs> You're making yeah. it up. That's the call. Yeah, so, exactly. So yeah, that was a, that was a. I've never seen that call. I don't think I've seen that call since either. No, no. I, I've seen calls where like the nose guard is sort of waving at the ball or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. Or simulating the snap or something. Yeah. That's that's one thing, but not from a linebacker. Right. Yeah. Running, yeah, running to the, yeah, uh, Teddy Bruski on Teddy Bruski night, too, of all nights. <laughs> How dare they? Yeah, How dare they get exactly. his name again? I think they needed his name at least 17 yeah. times. It may not have even been called on him, they just put the camera on him because nothing was happening. I, I don't actually know what was called on. 
They uh, probably had at least one or two two cameras trained on Brewski the entire night. Oh, I know they sure. had one on his wife half the night. Mm-hmm. Heidi. Yep. That was nice. <laughs> they, had, they had to get Heidi in the game. You know, Definitely had to get Heidi in the game. She's an athlete as well in her own right. So she understands the athlete's mentality. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> brutal and like she wasn't even cheering or anything i think she was so like nervous about everything she was just kind of sitting there like stone-faced watching making sure her husband doesn't collapse in front of her exactly that's exactly how i would be i would be watching of course yeah but yeah riveting television for sure (laughs) uh uh, but my has 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 the history of doing this so this this is espn's mo they they don't understand that it's a football game that you yeah. don't it doesn't have to be anything more the football is compelling enough right it's it's like mitch hedberg's ritz cracker joke like you don't need to put anything on the wrist it's i like crackers <laughs> yeah. like stop, stop telling me what to do just just give me the cracker right the 11 people fighting each other is compelling enough for me i, I yeah. don't understand it's like the whole uh like now when you watch the draft uh, everybody has to have a story you know, everybody has overcome something or, you know, like, yeah, their their grandparents that they didn't know died of cancer three days ago. Like, yeah, he really likes football and really wanted to be a professional football player. Yeah. And get, get this. He can run a 4-2-40. <laughs> so he's going to get drafted no matter what his story is. <laughs> yeah. These guys drafting him don't care about the story. It's just, no. It, it's just more time to sell. It's I can mm-hmm. I, and people tune in and I don't get it. And the no. numbers keep going up and I don't understand it. It's, the bubble's got to burst eventually on this league. So I get made, I get made fun of on this podcast by my brothers because okay. I watch games on mute most of the time. Okay. Uh, I used to watch games where I would put them on mute and like run my stereo through the, uh, through the stereo system. So I just put an album on and watch the, watch the game to it. Yeah. yeah. Or I'd put the, the radio guys on when the radio guys didn't suck. Um, but now it's it's Scott Zolak and he's an absolute meathead, and so he just steps on the uh, the play by play guy on every play. He's like, uh, uh, uh. It's like, shut the fuck up! I'm trying to try to understand what's happening in this game because I'm listening to it and not watching it. Awful. Uh, but yeah, uh, the one thing I love to do is shit on the commentators, uh, as as we've talked about. Um, so I think it's probably a good good time for that. Um, this is a classic booth right here. What we have, yeah, Theismann, Paul McGuire, Mike Patrick. Like that's that's my childhood right there. That's a heavy hitter right there. That's yeah. that's ESPN from nineteen ninety probably four until of right until a few years ago, barely yeah. a second when they replaced yeah. them. Um, but my favorite quote was, um, I think it was Paul McGuire saying, "Everyone here rooting for Br- Brewski to succeed, probably even the Buffalo Bills." And then there's a pause, and Joe Theismann chimes in. Not too much, though. No, <laughs> I, I guarantee you, they're not. <laughs> they're they're not rooting for for Brewski to succeed. They don't. Probably the opposite, actually. Of course, of course, you weren't. And I'm sure, I'm of sure all the challenges, terrible people in in Western New York who are rooting for you know the the hole is hard to come on. Oh, for sure, yeah, uh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it was just in New York too. I'm going to tell you that. There's no doubt in my mind that there were a bunch of drunk guys in a bar. Just, just yelling, get a stroke, stroke. Yep. Oh, for I'm sure. sure. I'm sure they yelled at him during the game, the return game a couple weeks later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Undoubtedly. I have heard, because I've been going to games in that stadium since 1995, so <laughs> just, like, 
the worst of humanity. This is the worst possible thing you can I think mean, to a person. That nothing will beat my because like, of the Dolphins game in like 2003 or something like that. Mm. And the Dolphins been beating us, and some guy just stands up in the section and goes, "It's okay because Jay Fiedler has AIDS." And he's just <laughs> like, "The fuck? Wow. What's wrong with you?" And then he starts just shouting it, "Fiedler has AIDS!" <laughs> like, what Good are Lord. you? Like, Sit down, asshole! What's wrong with you? Oh That's ridiculous. God. But yeah. And this is the same fan base that obviously throws uh, marital aids at Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. That's sure good, though. I like that. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Like that's that's just fun. It's an interesting uh, bunch. Yeah, I mean, they 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 do not know the line between fun and and offensive. However, it's just everything is it's all out. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, I used to work with a Bills fan, and she definitely didn't know the line. Um, she was very soft. Very soft. Uh, <laughs> I would get unfriended on Facebook on a regular basis for commenting on her posts back in the day. Uh, that, yeah, it's, I'm it's also really... blocked on Twitter and all on everything now at this point. Uh, <laughs> so, Mark, if you're listening to this, uh, I still remember. Uh, Go Bills, Mark. Go Bills. <laughs> no, yeah, not, not for her. Not for her. Oh, me. No. Yeah. No, no, she's the type of person who posed in front of because you know how the the Bills won like the best fans in the NFL or something, so they got to put up a yeah. billboard and they put it up uh, in front of Gillette Stadium. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Uh, she was the type of person to go and like take a picture in front of it. <sighs> Actually, What's wrong with that? You're, now, now who's soft? I don't know. it's not soft. It's just not funny. Like. Uh, <laughs> Like me, like when she unfriended me the first time, I took uh, pictures of her and photoshopped her face on Bills players getting tackled by Patriots, and made them like um, like greeting cards, like let's 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 rekindle our friendship sort of thing. Totally normal thing to do. Yeah, uh, she did, she didn't like that either. <laughs> she blocked me on Slack, the work Slack. <laughs> that one. <laughs> uh, probably shouldn't have sent it to her on work Slack, but what are you gonna do? <laughs> See, I'm I'm a guess Margo doesn't listen to this podcast, even if you're on it. Just saying. I'm gonna <laughs> no offense. <That's> fine. <laughs> uh speaking of terrible football, uh-huh. um Corey Dillon, I thought actually did decently for the fact that he had like one and a half legs going into this game. He um, did. It, he he did what he did. He did what he always did. He powered in from the one yard line. That's yeah, that was that was what Corey Dillon did best. Finishing yeah, runs did it really well before, and Corey Dillon did it even better, just smashed it in the end of the end zone. Yeah, and that's what he did. And I hated him for it. <laughs> I hated yeah, him oh, for yeah, it. I, I get it completely because he, but this was definitely like tail end. This was the dregs of, of the Corey Dillon uh, experience yeah. at this point. Um, didn't look like the same guy, but actually, my brother sent me something today, it came out today, um, that he, Corey Dillon is in the news. Uh-oh. I don't know if you heard this, um, because he is um, angry that he's not in the Cincinnati Bengals franchise oh, Ring of Honor selection. I did see something like that. I saw with the Bengals gym posted something like that, where and he posted something where he has the helmet because apparently once Corey Dillon, in a fit of rage, threw his own helmet into the stadium mm. crowd, and one of Bengals gym fans. No, has the helmet, so they bring the helmet around to the tailgates. 
This That's is Corey Dillon's helmet. Yeah, Corey Dillon's helmet is wandering around a tailgate somewhere at every build, every Bengals game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that feels like it should. Um, but yeah. I also feel like he should probably be in there, Ring of Honor, because he's the best running back they've ever had on yeah. some really, really bad teams. He was on some really, really bad teams, like four and twelve bad teams. teams. Yeah, those were really, really bad teams. But does he have to go on the Wall of Fame? I mean. Oof. What are the the teams can make up their own rules for who's going to be on their own walls? And if your best player, I mean, he's best known as a Patriot Cordell. You don't think so? He's um, best in, in I mean, to me, for sure. <laughs> I might be biased. Um, yeah. I don't know if people would say Corey Dillon would automatically think of the Bengals, especially if someone was newer to football. Yeah, that's I fair. I don't know. So I, mean, I think he was the Bengals for so long, though that that's true. He they did not have much though. So they, they had I mean, nothing. It was just him. It was him and like Coy Kittner or like whoever the hell was trying to throw the ball. I like I couldn't even name an actual Bengals quarterback from that time. John Kittner probably was. John oh, Kittner, Jeff Blake. I think that's who it was. Blake would have been their quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, Corey mm-hmm. Dillon. Put yeah. him on the wall or don't. But he also, I believe, uh, the comment was something like, uh, I'd rather flip burgers than play for the Cincinnati Bengals, is how he left town. That's a good way to not get your name on the Wall of Fame. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's the perfect way. I mean, the Pagers are going through something similar with uh, Bill Parcells, where he's not in their Hall of Fame. He's not, but he doesn't have to be. I mean, he could. He won an AFC championship, obviously. He brought him to a Super Bowl, yeah. And kind of legitimized the team, some people argue. I would say he probably did. He, because those early, those 80s and 90, early 90s Patriots teams were abjectly horrible. They were just absolutely awful. They were the laughing stock of the NFL. They, they were. They were about to move, too. There, were, there was talks of them moving before going to Kraft s- the team. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Kraft definitely saved the team from going anywhere. Um and and did it in like a, an incredibly smart way where basically he bought the uh, parking lots and stuff and like the rights to the parking lot or something like that. Um, and then somehow managed to get the rights to the stadium. So the team couldn't move without buying him out. And he basically just said, nah, so you're going to have to sell me the team instead. Uh, and then built a brand new stadium, uh, money from his own pocket. So I'm all for that. That's not happening here. I mean, we're getting New York State taxpayer money on our new. Yeah, budget. you are. Oh God! And get the city to pay for it. Get get that New York City money. <laughs> the way it works in New York State is that if you're not in New York City, all of your taxes just you sort of get punched in the side of the head and they <laughs> take it out of your pocket. I mean, just give it to someone in New York City because that's whatever. That's what happens in New York State because the rate of return where I am is like negative and, and if you're in New York everyone complains my New York City taxes are so high like mine is just high same state jerk and you're actually getting services back for it whereas we have a metro line with one rail there is one rail in Buffalo it's the saddest metro line it just goes up and down back and forth <laughs> it's like some kid made a sim city like city and just sit finish it so you just see those, like it's pathetic we don't have any services around here and of course they could have changed it. They could have, you know, sort of built this new stadium downtown and mm-hmm. you know, had some sort of infrastructure build up. 
I was just going to build in the parking lot in the same place, 15 miles out of town where, you know, it's, it's going to get used 10 times a year. It's There's great. nothing. There's, There's nothing, nothing there. It's not. It's just, it's suburbs. It's, yeah. it's the outskirts of suburbs too. So it's farms, yeah. suburbs. No, it's uh, the first time I went because uh, my, my best friend in high school went to uh, RIT up there in Rochester. So I met him up there and we went to a Bills game, Bills Path game. Um, the the Richard Seymour game you probably remember it as. Uh, <laughs> probably. <laughs> Might have been at that one. I don't know. But I, I just remember like driving up to the stadium, like, where, where the fuck are we going? Because like house, 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 house stadium. Like, what the f- yeah, why, why is it here? So, and people rent out their front lawns and you can oh, park parked in front. somebody's backyard. Yeah, that's exactly you what you can park on the backyard, front lawn, and people <laughs> rent porta johns and put them in their lawn and stuff like that. Yeah. People <laughs> pay you know, 20 bucks to park your car here. Because yeah, you park yeah. in the city, stadium lot is 50 bucks. So, you know, yeah. It's, it's a quick walk. They're gonna do it again. This is gonna be the same houses and you can park in the same people's lawn, and that's oh, what people want to do. And I guess you can do the same thing if you want i would choose to do something different but they didn't ask me well they did and they just ignored they probably ignored me they gave, <laughs> exactly yeah they gave me all sorts of surveys i said put it downtown you know have it a different experience yeah. no yeah, no fuck this guy no let's just do the same exact thing we've been doing for the last 40 years and we'll we'll build it on the same spot and we'll have the same problems it'll be great yeah, it's working really well so far right so why, why change it <laughs> good lord <sighs> yeah uh, yeah well, speaking of uh, shitty people in NFL offices, okay. uh, we had a Troy Vincent sighting in this game. We did. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was starting safety for the Bills. Yeah. Uh, moved to safety from, I'm assuming, corner. From corner, yeah. Yeah. Um, and at this point in the in the season, has three of the team's seven interceptions so far. So, I mean, good for him. Uh, also gets hurt in the and at the like tail end of this game too. So I don't know if he even comes back. But my, here, here's a conspiracy for you. Uh, him getting hurt in this game um, is the reason he hates the Patriots so much. And it's the reason all the calls go against the Patriots in all the big moments. Oh, because you know he's in charge of officiating now and all, all yeah. that. Stuff. Yeah. So oh, Deflategate was because of this game. That's what I'm saying. This game, because he yeah. got hurt at the tail end of this game while mm-hmm. wearing the greatest uniforms of all time. For the, <laughs> <laughs> the Wearing... Just Canadian football league jerseys for They're 10 not years. Good. They they embarrassed us by making those. Mm. That that came because remember, I think it was 2002, Reebok got the league contracts finally. They were they finally standardized jerseys yeah. across the league because before that, every team just got their own jerseys. Yeah, like, you could do whatever they wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And Reebok apparently shoved over a whole bunch of money. And they redesigned the Bills jersey for some reason. And it also looked suspiciously like the Texans jersey because it was the same exact color yeah. in the Texans inaugural year. So, like, I'm thinking they bought too much dye or something like that. Oh, like, yeah. we, need, we need to get more. We need to do something else. With it, was, it. it was a copy-paste job by whoever the intern was that was in charge of. <laughs> like, all right, well, we, we've spent millions on this Texans rebrand. <laughs> now we get to the Bills. Mm, copy paste. Nobody's gonna yeah. notice. No one will notice. Just yeah. Make sure the shoulders stay a different color right. than the white jerseys, because everyone likes that. That's definitely a look that's used in the NFL a lot. Yeah, it worked really well for the Titans and for the Buccaneers. That that must have been the same time frame, right? Those Buccaneers with like the 
the numbers that look like they're from a digital clock. Digital clock numbers. Yeah, it's the same people. Same people designing them. So bad. So I mean, that's one of the few. I mean, the Patriots have had their original jerseys after they went away from the Reds. Mm-hmm. Were basically just a blue jersey with like numbers on them, I and like then the Pat Patriot helmet. They weren't good. Right. It w- it, well, it wasn't even like the the stripes on, on the, the like. Okay, I'm thinking a different one. Okay, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's the original version of that. Um, oh, okay. But it looks like uh, they bought them from J.C. Penny, uh, <laughs> and just <laughs> threw them on. It's it's real bad. Uh, but then you know they they kind of iterated on it, and yeah, the the flying Elvises on the shoulder pads that came down to your nipples were still a bit big. Those were fantastic. Um, yeah, they but they're look- they're they're classy. Um, they're it classic. It, it definitely yes. it encapsulates the mid nineties where you could just do whatever you want. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, they had they had drop shadows on their red drop shadows on the numbers. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. You don't see that anymore. No, you don't. No. You don't have that sort of attention to detail. No, you definitely don't. So or or like the striped jerseys, like they're they're a European soccer team. Amazing. So I, I really want them to bring those back. I think those are fantastic. And, and they should bring them back. Now that now that the Brady era is over, they need to get rid of the Brady era jerseys, those blues. I think you probably should. You could keep them there. You keep those mm-hmm. jerseys where they are. Everyone will remember what those jerseys are and yeah. keep them in their own time frame and do something new. Yeah, those are the Dynasty era jerseys. And now we move yeah. on. I think uh, so. A lot of a lot of people want the old red ones back, but Mama Brown refuses because all she has is bad memories of those. Because yeah, all all there would be are bad memories of those. Those would yeah. be terrible. She, I mean, they they moved. My parents moved over here, like in 1980ish, 81, mm-hmm. um, and that's basically when they picked up football. Was early 80s into the 90s. That would be the same as if the Bills went back to these horrible jerseys that yeah. they were during this game. Why would anyone want to be reminded of that time? That's exactly what it is. Yeah, the only so. people who want the only people who do like the the red jerseys aren't Patriots fans. They're, they're Bills fans and, and Jets <laughs> fans who have great memories of beating the Patriots while wearing those classy. Looking no, fans. and also uh, any Pats fan born after two thousand one who have <laughs> known nothing other than success. They they're all like, yeah, bring them back. Those are great. Those are classic. I'm like, you don't they remember. Have to be absolutely insufferable people. I, I'm just they're so happy. Awful. They're awful people. <laughs> they they want to fire Bill Belichick. All right, give me one, give me even one name of who you replace him with. Just anybody, literally anybody. Even guys who have a job who right now, even yeah. what are you Andy Reid to come in? Because that's not oh, oh no, just promote Josh McDaniels. <laughs> That that that's worked before. That's yeah, great. It's worked out well for Josh. Josh yeah. has Josh has proven himself as a head coach in this league. There's no doubt about it. Multiple times, yeah. He's done well. Um, but it's funny because actually Josh McDonald, this was his first year running the show. Um, and there was a lot of controversy about that. Um, because this was when um uh who was it that was they had before they had uh Charlie Weiss and Romeo Cornell, yeah. and they both left after the 2004 Super Bowl. Um uh, Weiss went to Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Yeah. Romeo yeah. went to Houston, I believe, didn't he? Uh, uh, he went to Cleveland, I think. This was the Cleveland. And then eventually, yeah. Yeah. Um, but basically, uh, what happened was uh, the Patriots uh, officially promoted Eric Mangini to replace Romeo Cornell as the defensive coordinator. I believe it's pronounced Mangini. Uh, uh, oh, I, it is actually, yes. Okay. Uh, that, that's, that's the French way of saying it. Uh, we can't pronounce that with a Boston accent, so that's yeah, Mangini. Yeah. And then Josh McDaniels was the coordinator 
well, offensive coordinator. Um, and like everybody knew that Mangini was smart enough for it. Um, but the question in the locker room was whether he could command the attention and respect of a room. Uh, mm, I, I, I think maybe not. Um, okay. And then uh, basically everybody loved uh, Charlie Weiss. He was very inventive uh, with those early, like Brady or the amount of trick plays I was taken aback, like rewatching all these games. Okay. Um, just the amount of like trail, like they, they would call uh, throwback passes to Tom Brady, who I think on his longest one was like 23 yards. And his comment after the game was uh, that he turned a touchdown into a 23 yard gain, which is about right. <laughs> like, he was fucking <laughs> hustling. Uh, it was like a Clydesdale out there clomping away. Um, but basically uh, the problem was that uh, the receivers coach at the time was Brian Dable. Okay who was a year older than McDaniels and had actually recommended McDaniels for uh, an entry-level position uh, when the Patriots were looking for somebody. Ah. And so then the fact that McDaniels was promoted ahead of Brian Dable would eventually lead to problems and Brian Dable leaving the organization. Yeah. Hey, Brian Dable, did, uh, he did all right for himself, I'd say. He still is. Right now. Yep. Yeah, he's... He, uh, he did well in Buffalo. Although, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of that could, <laughs> a lot of that's debated how much that was him versus just having a freak named uh, Josh Allen at your uh, disposal. I think that's that, that helps you a little bit having some guy, uh, this giant, massive human being who's just a big, dumb idiot who likes to throw the ball as far as he can, which <laughs> is just fantastic. I, I had to root for all these terrible quarterbacks like JP Lostman and Kelly Holcomb and to be Alex Van Pelt. And Alex Van Pelt. And just this big cloud. He like Al is just this big dopey guy. He kind of like Gronkowski-ish. That's exactly what I was gonna say. He's just this big dope who loves playing football, and yeah. he's just gonna throw the ball. He's just this athletic freak. Yeah. I don't know if you actually know this. I went to high school with Rob Gronkowski. Really? I, I I actually graduated with Dan. Dan was his older brother. Yeah. yeah. Rob because he grew up a couple houses down from we're not yeah. houses down, a couple streets away from me. Their dad owns G and G Fitness, which is a local fitness shop around here, and that's what they do. And that's that sounds about right. All the Gronkowski boys are exactly the same. They're all giants, and they yep. all went. I went to school with them. Are there funny. any good stories, like school stories, of them just like failing oh, no. the third grade for the seventh time, sort of deal, or because <laughs> uh, that that seems like a Gronk story? Uh, there's a Rob story. Rob played hockey with my brother. Because they were oh. like a year older than my brother, but when and this would have been when they were like nine or ten, yeah. and Rob was a foot and a half taller than everyone else on the ice. Holy shit! And and the the coach would have to put him back at defense and say you can't shoot once you get over the blue line. Yeah. So Rob would get the, the puck at center ice and shoot from center ice and put it over the goalie's shoulder from center right. <laughs> like, what do you want me to do, coach? Jesus. Yeah, some people are just, they're just born with it. Like, I, I think, like, certain athleticism, mm-hmm. uh, and then that drive as well. I, I think people are just born. Like, the drive that somebody like a Tom Brady has isn't normal. You can't you can't teach that. You know what? I, yeah, you can't I learn it. My wife the other day, because you talk about athletes, getting into the zone because mm. everyone talks about the zone yeah 
I'm pretty sure that's just some sort of autism thing where, you know, yeah. you, you get this hyper focus. That's all it is. Yeah. And, but you don't think, oh, well, that athlete has some sort of neurodivergence because you don't you associate right. that, but of course you do. Why wouldn't they? You, you, you associate with like a positive instead yeah. of a negative. So, yeah. The same percentage of athletes are neurodivergent that are just the rest of humanity, yeah. too. It's, it's the same cross section. So, why wouldn't you have these guys who claim that they get into the zone? It's probably because they're they're autistic or they have ADHD or they're yeah oh yeah I've just been recently diagnosed with ADHD so I've been learning yeah. a lot about it and yeah. I I get in the zone like I, that's a piece of like what my brain does I can't focus on things but if I find something I actually really like mm-hmm. like a podcast about doing Patriots games for two thousand one sure. uh, I can get in this zone where it's not even like I'm focused on it it's just that that's the only thing that exists to my brain in the world. And time passes differently. You you sort of experience time differently. It, do, it doesn't pass. Yeah. Or it slows down or something like that. But it, it, it's not how you normally would encounter it. Yeah. I and, actually remember like the, the, the greatest example I can think. Uh, when I first started dating my now wife, uh, living in the same apartment in uh, college. And they all had class, like everybody in the apartment had um, classes to go to. But I didn't that day for whatever reason. Um, so I sat down to play NFL 2K, uh, okay. NFL 2K5, I think it was probably, um, and uh, best football game on video game consoles ever. Uh, and so I sat down like probably nine, 10 in the morning um, and just started playing. And then all of a sudden they're walking in the door. I'm like, hey, you guys doing back? Like we've been gone the entire day and, you know, like did classes and came back and yeah the entire game that I, I i hadn't stopped playing i once they walked in the door it broke the concentration and i realized i hadn't eaten all day i hadn't uh-huh. got up to go to the bathroom all day all the time i had just sat there and played i think it was like 14 or 15 full seasons of nfl 2k5 while they were up. gone just yeah. gone you're locked in yeah, it, yeah and it, I, I imagine someone like brady probably just gets locked in all of yeah. a sudden you're locked in and you can't miss yeah, and he or he's just like that's his preparation too. Is like he's watching game film for eight hours and doesn't realize it because he's just locked in and at times just not a thing. Yeah, you know. But also that 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 whole drive of like, I have to be the best at any cost, mm-hmm. like at the cost of my you know yeah. health or my family or the or, Roman or, out, sleeping in the hyperbaric chamber, like that yeah. sort of drive. Like, like there's like, just. My entire life on hold to do this one thing. Yeah. And I have to be the best. Yeah. Otherwise, I can't sleep. It's like, I, 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 I don't have that. <laughs> I don't have that gear. I just don't. No. I, I, will be, I will be the B students all the way through. I don't, it doesn't matter. Honors class, regular class, I will get a B in gym. Degrees doesn't matter. That's exactly right. So, yeah, there's definitely something there. Um, but I think we've talked this game to death. Uh, okay. so before we go, uh, we like to do something that we used to do at the dinner table every night. Okay. Um, it's called best and worst where you just pick, uh, the best thing, uh, from this game and the worst thing from this game. Or okay. if you're my brother, they don't even have to be from the game. <laughs> uh, the best thing from this game, I would say would be me seeing Shawd Williams play. Mm. Shawd Williams was the backup to Wilson McGahee. Yeah. And uh, Shawd Williams famously got got tricked by bruno uh what's his name oh yeah yeah uh, sasha baron cohen Sasha Baron Cohen. he got he was at uh alabama at the time and 
Sasha Baron Cohen came down and did his Bruno character oh, and yeah. told Sean Williams that he was a really important member of the gay football community. To which Sean Williams, I'm not, that's great, but I'm not gay. And that's the entire bit is going back and forth with that, obviously. And you course, can figure yeah. it out. So I got to see Sean Williams, which was nice. <laughs> that was probably the best thing for me. And the worst thing probably was losing. Of course it's losing. because it's, it's a game they should have won. They had they were up two scores late in the game and they lost because what, what why aren't you running the ball out? What why are you having Kelly Holcomb drop back the pass? What are we doing here? Up two scores, it's, yeah. Two score you're exposing him like oh and so that's my worst. <laughs> that's <laughs> fair. I can't talk about this game anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, you what's right. your best? Uh, let's see, my best. Well, Teddy Bruzy being back. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, just just hearing the the brew chant. I don't think there's anything better than that. Like, because it always sounds almost like a boo, and you're like, why is everybody booing at home? Like, oh That's no, it's We had that with Bruce Smith, and then yep. Cole Beasley, who thought we were booing him, <laughs> probably should have been. <laughs> which we ended up becoming boos. Because, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's always good. The yeah. Bruce, yeah, that's a good chance. Or like a uh, Moose, Moose Johnson for the Cowboys. Yeah. Moose was a good one. Um, and uh, also I got to say, uh, we've been giving Asante Samuel a real hard time on this podcast. Uh, mainly not just because he's vocal on Twitter about how much he hates Bill Belichick, um, but also because he dropped that interception 2007 to that would have still sealed the uh, perfect season um but he's made some like pretty dumb plays this season but this game he was like the only one on defense actually balling out other than um teddy brewski and that that interception that he had was very like that's what he was known for was that diving interception on the out every time he had he had great hands except for that one fucking time Um, and one honorable mention, uh, I don't know if this is the best or worst, but going back to McGahee, when um, I was looking into him for this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, this is this is the line. I did not do any more research. I just wanted to leave it as a bit of a mystery, but it was in 2016, he started on the E-reality television series, Famously Single. I, I saw that on his Wikipedia page as well. <laughs> and I, I thought, not- no, I don't want to I- watch it. But I just want my imagination to 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 be able to simmer with that. I can imagine what because it's a VH1 show, I think, or one of those sort of e, yeah, e, e, okay. TV, yeah, yeah. I can I understand what it looks like. They've been producing yeah. these shows for twenty years now. Exactly, and they're it's, all the same. Same show for the past twenty years. Probably yeah. in the same house, just different rooms. Maybe is my guess. You need uh, to fumigate that house a lot. I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's why you only do it one house. You just fumigate it the the whole house once. You don't have to pay for multiple. It's money. Say it's e. They're not made of money, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I All think right. that was uh, the perfect way to end this, yeah, this that's, episode. That's, probably, that's a good way to end it. All right. All right, Bill. We appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. Of this course, is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe next time, uh, in your honor, the next time the Bills beat the Patriots on this show, we will have you back. Yeah, so I'll talk to you in about sixteen years. Or <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> all right all right i appreciate it thank you very much yeah thanks for having me talk to you soon <laughs> bye bye bye
Tune in next week to see how much of a blubbering little bitch Greg is on the Patriots Dynasty Podcast.